Greetings, Blazer Nation, and welcome to the UAV Collat Fan Podcast, your premier bi-monthly podcast for information on finance, accounting, and money. Brought to you by the Collat School of Business's UAV Department of Accounting and Finance and the Readings Institute for Financial Education. So, without further ado, welcome to today's episode. Hey y'all, what's up, what's up? I'm Marina Messina, Visiting Instructor of Accounting here at the Collat School of Business, and I am your host for today's episode of the Collat Fam Podcast. Today we have Miss Cindy Wyatt. She is the managing member of Insight CPAs, and before her current role, she worked for a big four accounting firm, and she was a partner at a regional accounting firm for several years. Most importantly, she is a UAB alum, so go Blazers. Hey, Cindy, thank you for joining us. Hey, Maureen, I'm so happy to be here. It's, it's always delightful to be back on campus at UAB. So before we get started with today's episode, why don't you tell us a little bit more about your current role, and then mm-hmm. we'll get into some more um, other topics that you love to talk about. Okay, so I've spent most of my career in public accounting, and now with my current role, and I've spent almost all of that career in some type of more internal control position. So most people, when you say public accounting, they think the traditional tax or audit, but I'm actually on the other side. I'm more internal controls. And now with our current firm, we work with many different companies and either co-source or outsource their internal auditing. So technically, we're really internal to the company. We're just outside doing their internal audit. So that's a unique perspective. So we're not really the traditional external audit. We're not trying to be out to get someone. We're helping them kind of man- better manage their internal controls. Well, good. Yeah, that's such a great thing to talk about on the podcast because we want students to you know, hear about all sides of accounting. And so you are to gr- be a great contact for things like that. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the art of intentional living. This is something you're very passionate about. So can you tell us a little bit more about that? Oh, yes. So, you know, I've noticed in my career and I, myself as well is accountants in particular, but any, any, the business, it's, business is hard, careers are hard, and I've noticed how many people are not happy, okay? And so I was a regional partner in my early 40s, and I realized that I even wasn't happy. I had three kids, I married my high school sweetheart, and there's no reason not to be happy. And no one wants to hear you complain if you're a partner in a firm. So started doing a lot of research of happiness. And the best way to explain the art of intentional living and what it means to me is, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie The Titanic, and most people have, the one with Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate what is Winslet, and she, where at the very end of the movie, okay, and most people don't remember the end of the movie, so a lot of people may not want to rewatch it, <laughs> so at the very end of the movie is, and Kate Winslet's like 100, her character's like 102, I think, or something crazy, and they, she's on that ship, and they pan in on her, and I keep thinking, please don't let her die. You know, that, that'd be horrible, because <laughs> you, know, you think she's just going to go to sleep and die, but they actually don't, they start to pan in on her, but they really pan in on the pictures of her life, okay? So she brought all these pictures on the boat with her, which was crazy, and it's her on a horse, her at Coney Island, all the things she did after the traumatic event of the Titanic, and I know a lot of people say that's a movie, and I get it, but I started thinking, okay? If I was about to die, and let's just assume it's not early, okay, let's assume, you know, it's later in my career, and I'm going to ask everyone on this the same question, if you were about to die, and let's say you're in your late 90s, and you've lived a full life, 
One question, what would you use, okay, what's your benchmark to actually determine that you've lived a happy life? To say, I can, I can say that when I die, I'm a happy person because I lived a happy life. Are you asking me? Big question. <laughs> that is deep, and I have not had a chance to think about that answer. No. <laughs> I don't expect off-the-cuff stuff. So I'm going to tell you, I, I've asked this question probably now a thousand times because I became obsessed with it, and it comes down to three different answers I get. And it's not just one, one bucket. So when I ask people, a lot of people do a lot of thought and will come back to me later, you know, so I'm not going to put you on the spot, Marina. But it comes down to meaningful relationships. I'm not talking about Facebook friends. Totally Mm -hmm. different. Meaningful relationships, experiences, hobbies, things that set people's soul on fire, and then giving back or impact, making a difference. That's the three categories. People hardly ever bring up their careers. Only about 5% of the people even mention their careers. Okay? Mm -hmm. So... Everybody kind of agrees, in my opinion. We don't agree on politics. We don't agree on so many things. But 95% of the about 1,000 people I've asked have come down to those three categories. Wow. But but often it's either, you know, maybe two of the three, and often it's all three. So I'm shocked at the agreement that we all agree on what makes a happy life. And let's define that as our North Star. I've started calling it my North Star. So I've determined that the more far away we are living from our North Star versus our everyday lives, the more unhappy we're going to be. And if you look, it doesn't take, you know, we're the biggest country of uh, antidepressants, okay? Our happiness score is pretty low as a country for the U.S., even though we have the most, if you think about it that Mm -hmm. way. Your regular drug use has gone up. Your suicide uh, rates have gone off the roof of even younger people. I mean, that's hopelessness. You know, your marriage, divorce rates, it's almost temporary. People see it as marriage. So all of that combined, I think it comes down to people in their everyday life are not living their North Star, okay? And what that means is life gets in the way. And I know I was one of these people, okay? I've had to learn to live through where you say, okay, I go to work, I come home, I don't have the energy, you know, kids are busy, oh, you give them an iPad, you you know, and that is not going to make you happy. So I know this is very deep, but that's... That's, I've been in pursuit of that, and the happiness of my whole family has gone up. The people around me, where they start getting on board, better following your North Star, and I know we're going to talk about that a little bit here, uh, the happier you're going to be. You can be very successful in your career, and it doesn't mean you're going to be happy. So is that what you think is the problem with people's happiness in their careers, or is it something else? I don't think you can be happier in your career if you're, if you're not happy in your everyday life, okay? So it's, it's easy to pick something and say I'm miserable because of my career. But often people aren't managing their lives well, okay? And to give you an example, I've come up with what I call as happiness habits, okay? So in, in my original research, and I am a big nerd. So when I say <laughs> I research, I spent a lot of available time of just I become fascinated once again, if I wasn't happy as a regional partner, you know, it looked like I should be leading the perfect life. What about all the, you know, everyone else that's, that's going, man, I feel hopeless. So in that, I've come up with happiness habits. And so I read an article early on about, you know, that the happiest people plan their weekends. And I thought, I'm intrigued because there was no planning of my weekends. It's you get up and you do laundry and you clean house and you do the things that, that and then you sit around and you waste time. And then you do that kind of two days in a row, and you think you need that, okay? And then you go back to work, and you feel exhausted on Monday. 
So now, one of the things I do, and I could talk about this all day long, Marina, okay? <laughs> I have so many happiness habits. Is I started about 10 years back, and my kids were younger, so it was great. We said, one day of the weekend, if the weather is nice, we're going to get out and we're going to do something, okay? And we're going to get out and we're going to hike. We're going to kayak. We're going to ride our bikes, okay? And we spend the whole day doing it. I mean, I wear myself out, and they wear them out. <laughs> and I've learned that it changed the whole dynamic of even our family where our kids were willing to, you know, they look forward to it. You know, they, it, it's really so much better detox just to get outside. And I've heard people over the year, they say, well, I don't have the money to do this. I'm like, Alabama, guys, we are so blessed, okay? And I've traveled a lot, okay, to 40-something states thus far. And we have so many outside. You can go to the Botanical Gardens for free, right down from <laughs> UAB. Okay, it's $5 to get into Oak Mountain State Park and just go and just hike some of their wonderful tra- trails. Just go and have a picnic somewhere. You know, you can just go and happiness habit is in the spring, uh, we are, everybody gets together for lunch at our farm every Thursday. And if it's nice, we eat outside. It doesn't cost us anything to eat outside. <laughs> you know? Right. We go out, there's a, we have a table out there, and, we, and it changes the whole perspective when you go back. You're breathing the air. You're getting, uh, you just feel cleaner and better lived, you know. So the point is with happiness habits, and I probably have 100 now, not just on my weekend. On my Friday mornings, I go to work one hour late so I can bird watch. I'm a big birder, so I bird watch. And I spend time drinking coffee with my husband, and we watch birds and we talk. So every Friday, even if I'm stressed, I go in relaxed. So, you know, I have happiness habits with my children. You know, I have a, I have a uh, son at UAB about to graduate and go Blazers. Go Blazers. He's been super, <laughs> it's weird being a, now a second generation, you know, having a second generation UAB student. And we get together every week and have dinner. It, it's, a, it's a habit we started years ago. And he, it, he said it makes all the difference in our relationship. And we have a, a 10 of a relationship because we do that. We're very intentional at what we do every week. So when I say happiness habits, it's picking things in your North Star, the people you want to say, I've had a relationship with up on my deathbed. You know, you need to be spending time with them on a regular basis. Because if you don't plan it, life gets away from you, and all of a sudden you don't have those relationships. You're right. Like, very true. (laughs) my gosh. (laughs) It's like, mind blown, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this can be, and you don't have to be a business major. You know, the earlier you are in your career and the more you get your stuff in order, it took me to get my 40s, okay, when I really found out this is how to live. And, you know, my 20s, I wasted, you know, I I overworked. I never did things. I wasted time on the weekend. And, you know, I wasn't as happy. And, yet my 30s, it was breakneck speed with younger kids. But now, you know, I told you in my 40s, I wish I would have learned this in my 20s. I wish it, because you can change at any point in your life, and the earlier you can get on board with living to your North Star, the happier overall you're going to be during your life. So uh, talking about that and work and overcommitting in both of those areas. Ah. So let's go to that right now, because I think that's a great kind of segue. A lot of us have trouble saying no to things mm-hmm. and get just overwhelmed. And so can you just talk about that? Okay. So I have to be full disclosure. I'm a recovering overcommitter. Okay. <laughs> and I probably won like at least a silver in the overcommitting Olympics, something crazy, <laughs> you know? So uh, I used to think I could stuff a 10 pound turkey in a five pound bag on a, on a day, you know, and I used to think, Oh, I can do more. So I have spent the last 
10 years making my world smaller, okay? So it's, now I'm going to say a rule of thumb I found, it's, it's impossible to be perpetually stressed and happy, okay? And I started, the first thing I did, realized my happiness, you know, uh, kind of journey, and this is so many people, especially in the professional world, but life in general, you tend to overcommit. Everybody wants your time, okay? Everybody wants your time. And so, you know, by not saying no and by being, you know, once again, if you start being intentional and saying, is this going to help my overall one of my North Star goals, okay? It's not all about me. You know, like I'm here doing this podcast because I want to give back. It's a part of my mission to be impactful. That's why I agreed to give my time to it. But so often people don't think about what they give their time to, okay? I used to be on, when I started this, I was on like five different boards and committees, and I wasn't making a difference on any of them. I was just a check in a box. You know, I was on different social groups and different things. So the first thing I had to do was learn to say no. And I was bad about it. I mean, I was probably the worst. So I had to look in the mirror and just actually learn. I mean, I truly did. Of saying, And I learned to gracious, graciously say, thank you so much for considering me for this board or thank you for the opportunity. And I usually help them find someone else, you know, or just graciously, but saying I really can't make an impact like I want by committing because I've already committed to do too much. And so... You know, once again, you got to be very thoughtful for, I don't take on more than about one different impact is what I call it, uh, or, you know, opportunity at a time. Because I, on my North Star, I have too many relationships I'm focused on and too much, you know, work's going to take up so much time, okay? And then getting ready and doing all the other things for work. And you really, if you say you got 168 hours in a day, in a week, Okay, not in a day, even though I used to have. <laughs> I felt like I had. If you have 168 hours in the week and you're working just 40, okay, and then you're getting ready and you're doing all this stuff, you're going to come down. The average person really only has between 40 and 60 hours that they can commit each week, okay? After you eat and you sleep and you do all that stuff, if you think about it that way, you only have so much time. And how you spend that time is, you know, then you realize, oh, my gosh, I only have so much time. If I overcommit, it's going to take that time, and it's going to take it away from my meaningful relationships. You, you can't create more time, to my knowledge, okay, <laughs> unless someone's a wizard or <laughs> So you got to determine how are you going to spend the time that's left and be intentional with that. So I think we have time for one more quick thing. If you had one piece of must-do advice for people to be happier, what would it be? Oh, my gosh, the number one thing for happiness is gratitude, is gratitude. And it, let me explain that, Marina. It's, it's impossible to be unhappy and grateful at the same time, at the same moment. And I see so many people with so much that's unhappy. And once again, I'm a recovering person. Is, you know, so I started, and I had a 30-day where I just got up every morning, okay, and this is years ago, and it changed my life. And I, I said, I'm going to be grateful for something. And I can't repeat that gratitude <laughs> for 30 days. And I found, at first I thought it was going to be hard. But, you know, by day three, you're realizing you can't wait to say, here's what I'm going to be grateful for. You know, it's easy because sometimes, you know, and I've spent most of my career in public accounting. And we're the fourth stressful, most stressful career, okay? Only air traffic controllers I know are above us. And I can't remember the other two. <laughs> but it's a stressful career. And so sometimes you go, oh, my gosh, I, gotta, I have to go to work. And, you know, I changed that to I get to go to work. I have a job that feeds my family well, and it gives me so much more opportunity. And just by changing that perspective, you know, and I've seen so many people that are just ungrateful for what they have. They'll say, I'll be happy when. If you've got air in your lungs and, you know, food in your belly and good shelter 
And in one person that loves you, you've got enough. Okay, anything more is just gravy on a potato. You know, it's not, it's not, you know, like my husband who loves cars, you know, recently he was complaining that he was having to move his cars around in the driveway because he doesn't have enough garage spot. And I said, honey, you realize what a great opportunity you have just to have more than one car, just to have a car at all. And he came back and he said, you know, you're right. He said, I need to be, and I don't know why I was complaining on that. So, so many people complain and they don't take everything they have you know, uh, they take too much for granted, and they're not just grateful people, which is the, you know, if there's different um, foundations for happiness, that's definitely the ground, is being a grateful person. Wow. Well, this episode was very moving, and I think it was a great one to um, wrap up this semester with because you gave us all some great insight to, you know, live our lives and kind of change things for um, the summer and next fall semester and everything else. And we really, truly appreciate you spending your time and choosing us <laughs> to uh, take up some of the time that you have left over in the week. So thank you all for listening to today's episode of the Clap Fam podcast. And be sure to catch our next one. Go Blazers!